Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. So the movie Noah, it is a pretty epic story of faith and struggle. Um, It's also one of the more controversial movies that came out last year because it has some interesting uh, elements in it that we're going to analyze a little bit today. Uh, It's a story about judgment. You know, many of us have grown up understanding the story of Noah from maybe Sunday school or in church, or it's a pretty common, even in our culture, we understand the idea of a great flood and, and, and the story of Noah. There are some pretty fantastic images in this movie and scenes in the film, but the question that I would ask, and I think most people ask, and the reason that there's a source of controversy with this movie is many people are asking, how much of the story of the movie is actually found in the Bible? And what about the themes in the movie? There's some different themes in it that seem like they may not match up, or is that really how God feels about humanity, or is this really how the people were and the characters? How much of that is in the, in the Bible? Well, today what we're going to do is a little bit different than last week and different than our typical God in the Movies uh, type message. We're going to explore some of the key moments found in the movie, and then we're going to compare them to what the Bible has to say about it. Does that sound like something that would be pretty cool today? All right, so we're going to go ahead and begin with our first clip, and I want to kind of preface it that in this movie, there are some incredible things that we see, um, and so what we're going to see right now is a clip where um, in the pretty early stages of the movie, Noah and his family come across these these, uh, creatures that are made of rock, and uh, they kind of tell their story and where they came from and why they are the way that they are. Let's go ahead and see uh, this clip here about the rock monsters and see what it it has to do with uh, from the Bible. Watch us and learn to fear men. Then why are you helping us? The Creator formed us on the second day, the day He made the heavens. We watched over Adam and Eve, saw their frailty and their love, and then we saw their fall and we pitied them. We were not stoned then, but light. It was not our place to interfere, yet we chose to try and help mankind. And when we disobeyed the Creator, He punished us. We were encrusted by your world. Rock and mud shackled our fiery glow. Still, we taught mankind all we knew of creation. With our help, they rose from the dust, became great and mighty. But then they turned our gifts to violence. Only one man protected us, your grandfather Methuselah. We were hunted, most of us killed. Prisoners in these stony shells, marooned upon this barren land. We begged the Creator to take us home, but he was always silent. All right. So that's a pretty fantastical image, something that we'd see in like the Lord of the Rings or other types of fantasy novels or movies. And so we have this this idea 
that these guys were angels who pitied humanity after the fall in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and that they disobeyed God to help humanity rise from its sin, and that because God uh, was disapproving of their disobedience, that he kind of formed them, imprisoned them in this sort of in earth, and they became these rock creatures, and, and then humanity turns on them, and they begged God to take them home. Uh, that's the story that we see here, but it does not exist in the Bible at all. None whatsoever. There is, there is no fabric of truth in this in, in at all. Now, the closest thing, and I thought that was interesting, the closest thing that we have in the Bible to this story, and I wondered why would the director of this film, why would he include something that's completely made up when he's trying to take a story from Scripture? And I think it's because Hollywood obviously takes creative license, but this man is also a professed atheist. So an atheist's view of what a biblical story would be, he's going to find something to, to make it entertaining to what he feels like would be interesting. But the closest thing in the Bible is what we would call the Nephilim. This is an interesting story. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 and 4. So let's go ahead and read. This is the closest story that is even remotely close to the story of the rock monsters, and it's not even close. All right. It says this, Then people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. And in those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth for whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth. Oh, I just said intercourse in church. They gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Okay, so not rock monsters, right? But but the Bible calls them sons of God. So in this passage of scripture, we see that they're the sons of God. And so many theologians actually believe that these sons of God were fallen angels or demons. Okay, and so the idea from this passage of scripture is that that the result of the union between the sons of God and the women of earth gave birth to what the Bible called giants. Okay, so now we see giants in the Bible in the Old Testament. How many of you ever heard of Goliath? David and Goliath, very popular, very famous story. Goliath was, was said to be nine feet tall, okay? So the concept here, and this is a very vague passage. It's the only time in all of Scripture that we hear of this, but the passage is unclear. And so the only time we really hear about this concept of the sons of God and then the union of them being giants, we do hear about giants being in the Old Testament, but it is certainly not something about rock monsters. There's no concept of them disobeying God and, and helping humanity out. So I can see the, the, the fun and the creative side of it, but it's not in the Bible. The reality is, is that this passage, which is the only thing, the only passage that seems to point to any angels coming to earth, this is it. But the passage is so unclear that it actually could mean the strongest men of humanity. So sons of God might not have actually meant angels. It could have actually just meant that the strongest and the best of the men that they you know, gave birth to giants. And that's it. So that's the closest we get. So in this passage, we don't see rock monsters in, in God's word. We don't see this epic battle of angels helping humanity out, but it does make for good TV, right? All right, we're going to move on to our second clip. Uh, this is an interesting one because it has to do with the animals um, actually making your way into the ark. If you know the story of, the, of Noah's ark, you know that, that God wanted Noah and his family to preserve uh, two, a male and female of every kind of animal. Have you ever wondered what that would be like? 
How would that even be possible? Would Noah and his family have to walk to Antarctica to find polar bears? Like, how are they going to get all of these animals into this boat? Well, I think this movie actually provides a pretty creative uh, element. What happens is, is, and this is fiction in this sense, Noah goes and visits his grandfather, uh, Methuselah, and Methuselah gives him a seed, which he then plants, Noah plants in the ground, and in this moment of frustration of what's happening, the seed plants, it comes up and, and sprouts a spring. And that spring in their desolate land, okay, they're in the completely desolate land, the spring starts to flow and goes down in different directions. And so what we see is actually God provides this incredible forest that comes up to build the wood, to take the wood for, for, the, uh, for the ark. But we're going to see how God might have brought the animals to the ark. Let's take a look at our second clip today. Father, did you see them? Father? Yes, Shepherd. It begins. So what we have in that clip is that was the first time that any of the animals had showed up. I mean, up until this point, Noah and his family were building this massive boat and had to take it on complete faith that God was telling them to build the ark, that he was going to send a flood. And when he gave them the impression that he wanted all of the animals of creation to come and be saved through this boat, he had to be asking himself, how is this going to happen? How am I going to find all of these animals? And what we see is, and I couldn't include the clip, was that we find that, that because of that stream that flowed out of that little uh, eruption in the earth, that the birds started to find their way and follow the stream. And so actually in other sequences of the movie, we see snakes, we see animals, and they all followed this stream that was going in different directions. And so I've, I was thinking about it myself and thought, what a cool thing that, that in Hollywood can show something that for us can seem completely unrealistic. You'd be like, oh, I mean, I've heard people say, when they say, you know, the concept of the story of Noah and the ark, that they say it's so unrealistic. How would Noah possibly be able to go out and find all of these animals himself? It would take him forever just to wrangle them up. But if God asks for something to happen, isn't it possible that his spirit supernaturally could cause this to take place? And so I think that while some of the movie is definitely controversial and may have different pieces that contradict what God's word teaches, I think in this clip it's neat because it shows God's power to say, hey, I have called this into existence and I will provide for you. And so what does God's word say about it? God's word in Genesis chapter 7 verses 1 through 3 and then also 13 through 16 says this. It says, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat 
with all your family, for among all of the people of earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal I have approved for eating and for sacrifice, and then take one pair of each of the others. Also, take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive after the flood. Verse 13, that very day Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with birds of every kind. Two by the two, they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes, a male and female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. So while we don't know specifically how Noah found the animals, I think that this clip is a great example of the creativity of who God is, is that Hollywood does a good job of other times of just making stuff up. And in this case, this is a completely plausible and completely realistic way that God could have been faithful in proving what he said he was going to do. And I think it's possible, I even think it's likely that God supernaturally directed the animals to the ark. And so the idea here that we're going to take away from this clip is that when God calls for something to happen, he will provide what it is required to make it happen. And this is true in your own life. This is true in, in, in our church. If God wants something to happen, he will provide for it. So whether that's a job in your life, if God is asking you to, to take a step of faith in your life and you're not sure how you're going to make that happen, if you feel like God is saying, I want you to do this, I want this for your life, the story of Noah is, is an example of how when God calls for something, he will make it happen. I want you to believe that. Okay, so we're going to move on to our third and final clip of the day. Now, this one is probably the most controversial clip of the entire movie. Um, the story of Noah is something that is most definitely um, controversial even in its own right. A lot of people ask the question, if God loves humanity, why would he send a flood to destroy it? And the concept of the movie Noah in this particular depiction actually portrays God as a vengeful, angry God who wants to eradicate all of humanity permanently. And I would say, so let's watch. I want to, I want to give you a, just a quick disclaimer that it's pretty intense. Uh, what we're happening here is that we find out that one of Noah's um, daughters or his wives of one of his sons is pregnant. And he believes that God wants him to kill that baby girl. And this is pretty, uh, it, it's not graphic in it, but it is kind of intense. So let's go ahead and watch this clip and we're going to talk about it in just a second. Father? The rains have stopped. The Creator smiles on our child. The rains have stopped because of your child, yes. But he does not smile. If your child is a boy, we'll replace your faith. Last man. If it is a girl, who could mature into a mother? She must die. You mad? That is my child!
future burger. In the moment of her birth, I will cut her down. So what we see in this clip here is that the idea that God was so regretful of creating humanity that he wanted to eradicate it, eradicate it completely. And uh, this shows that God is a vengeful being. This shows that God does have no remorse, that he has no power to restore something. It actually depicts Noah as resolute, but kind of crazy, actually. In other scenes in the movie, there's just sort of a, a, an air of, of him being so blindly um, willing to follow what he believed God wants that he, would, that he would do something that's even contradictory to God's own nature. And I think I'm going to have to give a little bit of a spoiler alert here. So if you haven't seen the movie, Noah actually ultimately is unable to, to kill his granddaughter in the film, but it leaves us with this idea that God reluctantly allows humanity to survive. I think it pictures, the movie actually depicts God as the bad guy and not humanity who is deserving of its own consequences. It, it portrays God as, as an individual who is unable to fix the solution, so he resorts to destroying everything, and then when the plan doesn't go the way he wanted to, he reluctantly allows humanity to, to exist, but that God has no power to do anything. And the reality is, is that this couldn't be further from the truth. What we actually see in the Bible is a God of love, a God of, of, of restoration. So let's take a look at this in Genesis 6, 5 through 9. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything that they thought or that they imagined was cons- consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he ever made them and put them on the earth, and it broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. So yeah, it is true that God was distraught over his creation and our choices. And it is true that it got so bad that ultimately humanity was so depraved and so destructive that he decided to start over. But he never intended actually to wipe us from existence because verse 8 continues and says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Verse 9 says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. So then we fast forward to Genesis chapter 8, verses 15 and 19, and it says this, then God said to Noah, leave the boat. So this is after the rains, after the flood. All of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, the small animals that scurry on the ground. Why? So that they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives all left the boat, and all of the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. And then the next chapter, the very first verse says this, then God blessed Noah and his sons, and he told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So this film chooses to portray God as vengeful and unforgiving, but the reality is, is that God is always looking for a way to restore and renew everything. God is righteous and he's holy, and I think this is the answer to the question. 
People are asking, how is it that a God who is love and of restoration could create such a calamity on the earth? But God is righteous and he's holy and he must judge evil because it is his nature. You need to understand something about who God is. If God is perfect and God is wonderful and he is righteous and he is holy, how could he allow such evil to take place without judging it? I mean, it sounds hard for us as humans to understand this concept, but God is righteous and he is holy. He cannot allow evil to stand. And at the time, there was no other way to judge it, but he provided favor through Noah and he gave us a way out and he walked with God. And this is the same reason that God provided Jesus. He saw what humanity was doing. He knew that there was no way for us. He knew that our sinful nature was going to lead us to a place of complete destruction. We see it all over our world, that people who live outside of the principles of God end up taking, they end up taking from other people. They steal, they destroy, there's violence. And God provided Jesus who provides forgiveness. He provides restoration. That's what I love about the songs we were singing this morning about love. The love of God is so great and it keeps us from separation. In fact, this morning while I was driving to pick up a couple who comes to our church, there was a song that came on the radio. I forget the the individual's name, but the song says, grace wins every time. Grace wins every time. It says, I fight a battle between guilt and grace, but every time grace wins every time. And that's the beauty. That's the story, I think, of Noah in the Old Testament. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ, is that no matter what happens in our life, God is always looking now to the future. And even in the story of Noah, where the movie portrays God as a destructive, vindictive, vengeful God, the true story of Noah is really about how God wants to provide a path for restoration and renewal for every one of us. God didn't just keep Noah and his family alive to prove a point. I mean, the movie seems to point that that God was only using Noah so that he could get the boat off the ground and that the animals could survive, but then in the end, he wanted humanity to be no longer. But that's not the point. God actually said he blessed them, right? Genesis 9-1 said that he blessed them and told them to fill the earth. We are here today because of Noah's faithfulness. We are alive on this earth because Noah was walking with God, because Noah was righteous. And so I think about our our communities. I think about our families. I think about our neighborhoods. And I think about our church and what we're trying to accomplish in this city. Because of one man and his family and how they stood up in the darkness and said, we are going to do what's right even if everyone else doesn't, how God used Noah to give us a place that we could be here today to hear grace and hear, hear restoration and renewal. There are people in our lives, people who are in our jobs and in our city that need to hear hope, that need to hear the forgiveness, that they can start over, that there is a new path for them. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, that, that the crimson stain has been made white as snow, right? That's the beauty of it. Have you ever tried to get blood off of anything? It doesn't come out. And that's the power of God, the supernatural ability that is found through Jesus Christ is that our brokenness can be restored and it can happen if you and I will stand up as the righteous, if we will do the thing that God asks us to do, even in the face of frustration or difficulty. God can use us, every one of us, to bring restoration to the people in our communities. 
So what can we learn from this movie or from this passage? I have three quick thoughts, just some things. The first one is, is kind of funny. It's not everything that we see in movies, TV, or the internet is true. Okay, so when you watch movies, especially about things that are having to do with the Bible, not everything you see on TV, in movies, even on the news, and especially on the internet is true. I mean, you got to know that. And I, I say that, and it may be like, well, Jared, that sounds obvious. But the reality is, is that many of us don't read our Bibles enough. Some of you, this story of Noah might actually be a new story to you, or perhaps you heard about it but don't know the details. And so maybe if you saw the movie Noah, maybe you saw the rock monsters and you found yourself wondering, well, maybe that's true. And that's the thing, is that because it's in a movie and it looks really good and it seems plausible doesn't mean it's right. So be careful with what you watch and what you listen to, and especially when it has to do with the Bible. If anyone says this is what is true, you need to go to the Bible to find out if it is true. Don't take for granted whether or not what the world says about God or about Christianity is right. You have to find out from what God's Word says, okay? So you hear me on that? All right, next one. What can we learn from this movie or passage? The second thing, and I think this is an encouragement for somebody in the room, that what God orders, he pays for. All right, so it's just like at a restaurant. If you're going out and somebody says, I want to take you out to dinner, get what you want, and you order all this food, he's going to pay for it. So if God is calling you in your life right now to do something, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's something about school, maybe it's a step that you should take with your family, maybe it's a person that he wants you to speak to, maybe it's a place he wants you to move to, maybe he's calling you to something deeper in your life. Whatever it is that God is ordering in your life, he will pay for. And what that means is, is that you may not have the, the specific tool in your hand right now to get there. But when the time comes for you, all you got to do is start walking. Say, God, I hear what you're saying in my life. I believe that this is what you want for me. I'm going to take a step of faith and move in the direction that you're calling me to. And when the time comes, when you need the money to pay for whatever it is, when you, when you need to be able to step into the job, when you, when you want to, if God is saying, maybe God's saying, I'm not just saying this about, for about money, but this is something that came to my mind. Maybe God is saying, I want you to give to help that person get on their feet, or I want you to help pay for that person's bill, or whatever it might be, okay? And you're saying, I need that money. But if you feel God is saying it, you do. You stand up in obedience. And I promise you that when you need it, God will provide for you. In some form or fashion, he will not see the righteous forsaken. What God orders he will pay for. And we see that in the story of Noah. God brought the animals. And lastly, what can we learn from this movie or passage is that God is always focused on restoration and renewal. Do not allow anyone to ever paint a picture that God is vengeful. Every picture, every depiction in the Old Testament where God appears to be that way, he is always pointing the direction towards holiness and righteousness and rest restoration and renewal for his people. God cannot stand evil, but he will not see the righteous forsaken. That's in, the, that's in God's word. And so in your life, if you have something that's happening or there's something that's broken or in your relationships or someone in your family or, or someone that you know is broken or is hurting or there's something that's lingering in your life and you're like, God, how come you haven't taken this thing away or how come you haven't fixed it or how come this relationship is broken? You need to go to him and ask him what steps he would have you take 
Because I promise you that God is about restoration of relationships. God is about fixing broken things. That's his MO. That's his job. He loves it. Time after time again, we see in scripture that God wants to restore. He wants to restore you and your life. He wants to help you know that you're not broken. God wants to restore and renew. And it begins with Jesus. If you are here today and you don't, you haven't given your heart to Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. It begins with him. Because Jesus died on the cross, on a cross as a punishment for our sin. And the Bible says that his perfect life was enough to cover our sin. It provides forgiveness and grace will win every time. No matter what you struggle with, even if you still struggle with things, every day grace wins every time. His love is enough. Nothing can ever, can ever outlast his love. Nothing can separate us from his love. He loves you unconditionally. But what would have happened if Noah had decided not to build the ark? What if he didn't do the things that he was supposed to do? Then I would like to think that God would have found another way. But there is something about us taking the step, right? We have to live our lives like Noah did, righteously. We have to take a step of faith. And for some of you, if you want this, the life of where your brokenness goes away, you have to give your life to the God who can restore you. He's offering something to you today. He's offering wholeness and healing. And it may not happen right away, but it happens over time. Many of the things that I've struggled with in my life, I've found healing over the last 15 years of my life. And that's how it happens. He, every day, as we walk with Jesus, as we learn from him, as we allow him control in our lives. A few weeks ago, Pastor Aaron over here preached and said, the more that you give God in your life, the more he will take and the more that he will, he will work in your heart. So begin a relationship with Jesus today. If you know him already, begin to walk closer with him. Read God's word. Let it sit inside of you. Let it teach you. Let it change the way that you live your life. And I promise you, you will begin to find healing. You will begin to find wholeness and your brokenness will be healed. And the wounds that you carry, they will begin to close and the pain will begin to move away. God loves us. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.